Welcome back to Weather Hype. It is a new year. It's now 2020. And men, you and I both know what that means, and some of our listeners may too. It's time for a new American Meteorological Society conference. Yes, it's so exciting. Um, unfortunately, I can't make it this year, but um, you're going, and that's going to be a lot I of am. fun. And you know, with all the experiences that we've had going to past AMS meetings, I think it'd be a great opportunity again to talk about what you can expect, some tips to really improve your conference-going experience, and other fun tidbits that you may not have thought about before you go and head out to Boston this year. We've done an episode on this in the past, but this is kind of an updated look since we've kind of got a few more conferences under our belt, so it should be a lot of fun. So I guess you're listening to Weather Hype, a podcast where we talk about weather, climate, and how it affects you. Stay tuned because this is the first episode of 2020. Now I'm the reason why you broke up with him and got back together Thought I was sunshine, but baby, I'm bad weather I'm off the Doppler in the five-day forecast By the time they hear me, I've already pushed the shore back No, no, I wasn't always like this Skies cleared soon as my daylight lit Sidewalks dried up, no snow emergency I could take you February and turn it into spring I was born on a storm when I get gone, I get gone And I don't need anyone to know better Castle, last time we did an episode was, that was back in what, 2017, right before the AMS Seattle meeting? It was, that's correct. Wow. And it's three years ago, and then now we're looking forward to Boston, which is going to be the centennial um, of the AMS, the American Meteorological Society. So they're going to have a pretty big uh, conference, but also a pretty big party to commemorate that 100 years. Yeah, they're actually doing things a little bit differently this time. So they're switching some things up in order to celebrate both the centennial. But they've also been listening to some of the things that the members have been asking for. Um, and so doing some of those new changes, like, for example, the awards ceremony is going to be on Sunday night instead of at the banquet. Um, so they're doing, instead of a banquet this year, I think they're doing some sort of celebration party thing. Um, Mm. so it's more, a little bit different than going and sitting down for like a few hours and watching everyone get their awards. So I think they're trying to do some different things and kind of switch it up a bit, um, which should be really cool. Nice. You get to experience all that. I do. And then I will happily report back to you all about it. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. I'm excited to hear more about it. I'm I'm bummed. I'm going to have some serious FOMO. For not being able to go, but, um, you know, it, when you have a professional full-time job and you're not getting funded to go, it's kind of costly and hard to, to make it out. But Definitely. I will live vicariously through all of you, through social media and beyond. So I guess to start off this uh, podcast, we should ask the question, what should people expect? So I guess I'll toss that to you men first. To, to kind of give us a little of your expertise, your background, what have you experienced in the past? Like when you walk through the doors initially, what is kind of thrown at you? Sure. So my first AMS meeting was in 2014. I think it's like the first annual meeting because I've gone, I had gone to a couple other smaller um, meteorology conferences um, from the AMS, but my first meeting was in Atlanta and it was really, really overwhelming. I um, I remember just walking through the conference um, center and then just like looking around and, and there are dozens of different rooms. There's people everywhere. You know, obviously you're going to be looking for the registration booth when you first show up so that you can register and get your badge, your lanyard, your program if you want it. Um, normally they'll give you like a little tote bag to carry your stuff in and whatnot. Um, so that's pretty cool. But um, it's... It's a little overwhelming at the beginning, and I think a lot of times if you're going with a school or a group, you're probably going to stay with your little posse for a little bit just to make sure that you're becoming familiar and, and you're learning all of it together. Um, and But this is one thing I would say, and maybe we can talk about it later, is to sure. kind of branch out from your group, right? And exactly. not just stay with your school, your friends all the time that you've known from before the conference. Go out and meet other people and kind of introduce yourself and kind of make yourself a part of a different group. I know it's kind of hard for some people to do that, but um, it's really uh, something great to do because I think you really do meet great people along the way for the annual meeting. So Castle, I mean, I kind of touched a little bit about like the very first like initial reaction that I had. Um, What was your first time like when you went to AMS? Um, It's very similar. Um, I think we both went to AMS for the first time together. Um, But from my perspective, it was 
it was very overwhelming, not just because people often talk about like, oh, there's so many people there. That's why it's overwhelming. Uh, for me, it was just a new experience, and I am not good with new experiences because I like to know what I'm walking into, and that's kind of why I'm glad mm-hmm. that we're doing this so people can kind of get an initial kind of schema for them to think about, oh, this is what's going to happen, and this is what I can expect. Um, so I feel like as soon as you walk in that registration booth, like like you were talking about, there's a lot of like things that you have to get through. I don't know. It just seemed like you have to find your letter and then you have to tell them your name. They give you your stuff. You have to make sure that you keep up with your, well, you had to keep up with your banquet tickets. You had to tuck that behind your lanyard and you had to create your badge by tearing out all these little uh, perforations and all that kind of stuff. And then you go through all that and you're like, whew, now what? And you just have to like follow (laughs) all the signs. It's like, where do we go? Um, So I think just taking your time like not being overwhelmed or stressed in that initial moment of there's a lot being thrown at me right now um, I think Mm -hmm. is really good as that initial walk through the door because sure there's going to be lots of people around there's going to be all kinds of different schools and like little uh, little circles everywhere of people that are kind of together Um, so don't feel overwhelmed take a deep breath go to the registration booth, feel free to ask them lots of questions. They're so helpful um, and super nice. Um, they, they can give you all the directions you need. There are actually people standing around like near escalators and stuff that will provide you different directions on where to go. Mm-hmm. The good yeah. news is at usually the first day of the AMS conference, everyone is going to the same place for the first uh I guess first hour or so it's like kind of a group thing where everyone goes into the same room. Um, So you don't have to initially be shocked of like, Oh goodness, I have to go find a room all alone in a far corner of this gigantic conference center. Um, So you get to all go to one room. The other thing I will say is that there are people standing around that have gold lanyards. um, And those people are called AMS beacons. And they are like usually like prominent people in the weather enterprise or like people that have gone to a lot of conferences or helped out in various ways of like planning conferences or planning workshops or that kind of thing. And so they are very well experienced at AMS. So they can give you all kinds of uh, directions, information, tell you where the nearest bathroom's at, like all these little things that you don't really think you're going to need or they don't really come to mind, I guess, initially. Um, but they can provide all of that information for you. So walk will you the, be wearing your beacon lanyard? I will. I'll have mine on. Um, so if Perfect. you have any questions, uh, feel free to come talk to me. Um, but yeah, I think just when you walk through the door, initially take a breath, um, go get your registration, your badge and stuff, and everything will be fine. I promise. So, you know, before you walk through the door, before you even get to AMS um, and you're packing your stuff and whatnot, um, one of the things that they've started rather recently in the last few years is having an app on your smartphone to navigate the different conferences, the different symposia, different talks and um, different receptions. There's so much going on in those like few days that it is really overwhelming. But the luck, the good thing is you can actually go on the app, download the app, go on the app and kind of scope out some ideas of what you want to do and develop kind of a generic plan for where you want to go. Maybe like what conference sessions you want to go to that you're really interested in, what receptions you really want to go to. Maybe there's like a school or a professor or an advisor that you know is going to the meeting and you want to introduce yourself. Try to make sure that you block out times for those as well um, because it's... It's going to be a lot of people that you could meet and a lot of different um, talks you can go to and a lot of things you're going to learn. Um, but to that point, I would say do not try to go to everything. That's something that I try to reiterate to every single person because my very first AMS conference was I tried to go to every single thing and I was so burnt out that I just couldn't even function by the like late afternoon. I was so dead and so drained. Um Keep in mind that if there are talks that you can't make it to, they're going to be recorded and you can listen to them online or you can always reach out to the person who is presenting that information and they can surely give you that um, information after the conference if you can't make it to their talk or their poster or whatever. But just don't try to go to every single thing. As tempted as you want to be, um, you will be very tired. (laughs) 
No, I agree. And I think it, it's very similar to kind of the stuff that we preach in our previous episodes about having work-life balance. Like when you go to a conference, there's not this, it's the same, the same thing goes. Like you have to listen to your body. You have to listen to yourself. You're in a foreign location. You're not, you don't have like the same routines that you normally do. So you have to make sure that you are paying attention to yourself. You go to conf- you go to presentations and enjoy uh, learning about new things and talking to new people. But at certain points, if you need to go back to the hotel and take a nap or just take a break from like interacting with people, like all those things are okay. Um, it I don't think it's kind of communicated that well that 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 is like a viable option Mm -hmm. um but it is definitely something that you can and should do because like men said you're going to get very burnt out early on if you go 100 all the time so castle and i like to keep it real okay so this is going to be a how to survive ams 100 in boston but Here's the thing, you know, like we're we're going to we're going to say some things that might be a little funky and weird, but it's the honest truth. And I think it's good advice to have. So what Castle just said, go outside, take a break. If you want to go call your mom, your dad, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whatever, go outside, call them Just sit outside on, on a patio or, or sit outside, walk around the, the block a little bit, um, because that's going to be more helpful than sitting in a, a session and falling asleep. Like yep. what what are you going to actually learn? If you're falling asleep, because I've done that so many times where I'm like, I want to go to this talk, but like, I literally can't keep my head up and I'm in the back of the room, like bobbing my head, having no idea what's happening. (laughs) So those are, you know, those are the realistic things. Like, sure, you can try to go to everything that you want to, but if you recognize that you're like falling asleep, then you sitting there isn't adding any value to your conference going experience at all. You might as well go outside and take a break at that point. Yep, because then it's interfering from you kind of actually understanding and soaking up knowledge in a later session, if that's something that you really want, because you could have taken some time for yourself and taken a little break and gotten something out of it and then gone back later in the day. Whereas if you try and go and push all day long and you start falling asleep later in the afternoon, you're probably just going to leave and just spend the afternoon trying to recover. Um, yeah. So in the long run, it sounds like one of those like risk averse uh, actions, <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah. in the long run, if you take some time for yourself, go have a lunch, go walk around the city and look at a landmark that you're really interested in or go meet with someone and have a, a really nice conversation and then come back to the conference and feel like energized and ready to go to a poster session or a presentation session, then I think you'll be you'll benefit from it a lot more. Yeah, definitely, for sure. And plus, you don't want to be that person who like is no. dozing off and people like see you <laughs> and your name tag is like clearly showing your name and who you are. It doesn't look great from a professional standpoint. No. So, yeah, just be it's also not great like speaking from experience while you're up there presenting and you look around the room and you see someone falling asleep it really does not feel good that someone is like falling asleep during your talk it's like dang is it me is it the the, my words you know it's just like me it's not good (laughs) jump in the cadillac okay um so we're going to bounce around a little bit because uh, a lot of the ideas that we have are kind of they they mesh with each other. They kind of correlate with each other. But, um, you know, something that Castle will t- talk about or something I talk about will spur another thought that we have. So just bear with us. It's it's a nice uh, little hodgepodge of tidbits that we've learned throughout the way. Um, so if you're using social media and you want to follow the hashtag for the conference, or you want to post so that people can see, you know, what you're doing, or if you want to advertise your talk, or you want to ask people where the best place to eat is, blah, blah, blah. Um, you'll be using Twitter for the most part, and the hashtag is AMS100. That's the correct hashtag. However, um, there is always some confusion with the hashtag for AMS, so you might also see AMS2020 and AMS20. And now I think about it, you might even see AMS like Boston on there as well. Sure, yeah. But AMS... 100 is the correct hashtag that people want you to use so use that one if you can but be on the lookout for the other ones too so let's talk about closing because that seems to be a 
something that you definitely don't want to mess up on, but also like isn't as big of a deal as you might think. If that makes any sense, and also not so, communicated well either. So yeah, because this is casual. Like for real, what does that even mean? I don't know. Um, I, who came up with these monikers of like these descriptions, like cocktail and like all these different? Because even when you Google it, there's inconsistency so it's really unclear like what they mean so business casual yeah. i think it's important to discuss what that looks yeah, like for sure so i mean castle and i can only speak from like what guys wear to a conference That's and, true. and what we like and don't like so um i can look up some stuff for what um women might be able to wear because there is a nice little infographic that we have on our last uh, episode 22 page where it talks about like if you go in business casual, you can wear, you know, just like a skirt and like a nice like cardigan over your shirt um, and just like nice flat shoes. And then you can always wear like, you know, always wear pants. I think. OK, so let's start off with things that guys and girls, men and women should abide by. Like, don't wear shorts, please. Like, don't do it. <laughs> no, shorts. Plus it's in Boston. So you'll be kind of cold. Actually, I heard it's going to be kind of warm, isn't it? It is, but like still like 30s in that in the evening. So, oh, okay, that's fair. 50s, I think, during the day. I mean, you'd be surprised. Like, people would be walking in with shorts and their ashy legs. True. And I'm like, can you not? <laughs> You're wearing cargos? Cargos were never a thing. Stop it. <laughs> it just doesn't convey, like, I want to have a business conversation with you or like a professional conversation. It conveys that um, you want to go, I don't know to the beach <laughs> <laughs> or you want to fill your pockets with unnecessary amount of things oh, you're still <laughs> hung up on the cargo shorts huh i am i am <laughs> um so so i think first of all you know wear super comfortable shoes yes you don't so need important. to wear heels all the time necessarily you don't need to wear like super nice like dress shoes for guys like Wear something that fits you, that that has very good comfort, because you're going to be walking around a lot, not only in the conference center, but also in the city when yes. you're traversing and stuff. Um, I would even say if you want to and you have room in your luggage, pack a pair of like sneakers or tennis shoes, because on your times when you're out and about in the evening socializing with people and stuff, you don't necessarily want to wear what you wore all day to the conference, because it's probably not going to be as comfortable. Plus, you're going like, to want to get out of those clothes, too, because you would have been in them all day long. Yeah. I mean, I think for the first AMS meeting, I wore, I definitely wore a suit and tie, like, almost every day. I had, like, really bad neck, bad neck chafing. Yep. Like, my neck was, like, really chafed and, like, it was really, like, burned and uncomfortable. Um, and then the suit jacket kind of, like, constricted my shoulders and made my neck and shoulders hurt a lot. And yep. then my back was hurting a lot. Um, it was just all around super uncomfortable. Um, and I would say guys are probably tempted to wear a suit and tie. If you really want to do it, you, you should do it for sure. But I would say you really don't need to. You just need a dress shirt. You don't even need a tie. Like don't don't button up the top button if you don't want to. Yeah. You know, like dress shirt, loose button at the top, tuck in your pants and you wear like khakis or like black or brown or blue slacks or something like that. And I think you're going to be good to go. And if you really want to wear a polo, as long as it's like a nice polo that fits you well, then I think you're good to go as well. You don't need to necessarily wear a dress shirt if you don't want to. Um, but a polo is good. I would say the polos with like your school logo on them probably aren't the best to wear because it might like show where you're from school wise, but they're not the most professional looking. You don't have to look super professional, but those are more of a casual athletic kind of situation, not necessarily a meeting new people and giving them a first impression of you kind of thing. Yeah, I would agree. Um, the only time I usually wear my suit is the day of my presentation. It's so like sure, if I have yeah. an oral presentation or I'm like on a panel or something like that, that's the time that I usually bring out my suit. Otherwise, like Min said, it's usually just a dress shirt. I usually go for some sort of patterned dress shirt so that it kind of gives you a little bit more style and flair versus like kind of a plain dress shirt. Um, it just kind of adds something that a tie would normally add if you have like a plain dress shirt on. Um, yeah. So that's usually what I try and go for. So it kind of gives you something to switch it up a bit. Um, I also enjoy sweaters. Uh, those are nice too. It kind of 
lets the collar of the dress shirt poke out a bit and just gives you a nice different kind of style from the day before. Um, plus it helps when the rooms are really cold and drafty because that happens a lot. Um, even if it's freezing outside, they still have the air on because there's a lot of people in the room and also people usually get kind of warmer when they're presenting due to nerves. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's a thing that usually happens too. So yeah, I would say comfortable shoes are definitely super important. Um, if you want, if you are presenting at AMS and want to bring a suit jacket, I would say go for it. Um, that's totally up to you, but again, not necessary at all. I think it took us like two or three AMSs to really kind of let go of that suit mentality. Um, yeah, yeah. and just kind of enjoy having dress shirts, not the top button buttoned. Um, I mean, if you think about it, you sure you'll be more professional, but you'll be more uncomfortable. And if you, when you really, in the grand scheme of things, when you are more comfortable, you're more likely to network better, present better, um, feel better. Um, so just overall, I think dressing comfortably will benefit you in the long run versus trying to be like top notch in the way that you're dressing. Yeah. And we debated about it last time, whether we thought jeans were appropriate, right? Because I think my stance is that I like jeans and I've worn them to present before. Like on my presentation day, I had like a nice pair of uh, Levi's dark blue jeans and like a blazer and everything. It looked really good. Um, And it went with like a nice pair of brown shoes. So I would say if you, from my perspective in Castle, you can debate that if you like, um, that if you wear like a nice pair of um, blue jeans, dark blue jeans, or maybe even black jeans, um, just make sure that they're, they don't have any holes in them. Yeah. Um, that they're not like patched up or anything like that. They're just like a nice, like normal pair of jeans. Um, I think that could function well, depending on how well you wear it. But also, you know, if you have the dress shirt or you have like the nice top and the sweater, um, and for women as well, you know, I think that could definitely work because it's definitely comfortable, but it doesn't show that you're too like, you know, slack mm-hmm. about your look, I suppose, because yeah. jeans can look very good. Plus, I think the thing that we tend to forget is that when we put these restraints on people's clothing, like it starts to lose people's personality because like the way that people dress is like an extension of themselves. So Mm -hmm. making sure that you are being professional, but also showing your personality is important too. like you don't want to be like hear this podcast and be like, oh, my gosh, I have to go get all these things because I don't have X, Y, Z. When in reality, I'm sure you have them. You just have to figure out the pairings in your closet and ways to like dress them up. Yeah, if that makes sense. I I feel like for the most part, unless you're like a like a huge uh, big deal in in the weather community or whatever, you're probably not gonna be like super dressed up. And you can gauge it too when you go to the conference. Take a look around and see what other people are wearing. Yep, and that gives you a good idea of of what you might you know should should bring as well um and it doesn't help it doesn't hurt to bring extra clothes if you can if you can pack it because i know airline restrictions are annoying um but if you can pack some stuff um have a variation pack a pair of jeans if you'd like and maybe after you know after a couple of days and you you feel like you can wear them go ahead and try them on i think uh it wouldn't be the worst thing ever and another idea is ams has loads of photos of previous conferences just of like people standing around yeah So just go look through previous galleries and look at what other people are wearing and just to kind of give get an idea of what maybe a style that might suit you and also be professional. Yeah, definitely. And then in terms of, you know, what you're wearing, you want to make sure that you're, you know, looking good. So when you talk to people and network with people, you know, you're giving off a pretty good impression or a pretty good vibe. So that brings us to networking. That's like a lot of a lot to, to, to digest and a lot to talk about. So, Castle, do you want to start off with a piece of uh, networking advice that you would want to share with everybody? Sure. I think the the best way I can do this is to tell a quick story about my first AMS and a networking experience that went wrong. Um, and it wasn't because like the person was terrible or I was terrible. It was just like my nervous, my nerves kind of took, got the best of me and I kind of chickened out and just left. Um, but there was a really big person that I wanted to speak with and I had emailed with previously. Um, and I stood in line after they gave their presentation. Um, they were like six people deep and it got to like the second person before me. And I was just like, you know what? I cannot do this. I, what am I going to talk about? How am I going to even bridge that gap? Like, I don't even know what I'm going to say. And so I just chickened out and left. Um, And then when I think about all the progress that I've made up until this point, 
and how like the last AMS, I just kind of, it just feels very natural now. Um, just like walking up to people and talking to them and saying, Hey, even if I don't know them, um, and I actually had someone come up to me, uh, during the conference and say, I kind of have been watching you network and would want to like get advice and tips. Cause you just seem so it's so easy to you. And I had to be like, it really is not like, it may seem that way, but it's, it's <laughs> like, it's not something that comes natural to me because I am an introvert extrovert. So I, uh, am more introverted, but I can turn on the extroversion at, at the mm-hmm. cost of lots of energy on my part. Um, yeah. So it's more about practice, I would say, than being really good at it or knowing uh, the right things to do or the right things to say. It's just for me, it was about feeling comfortable in the environment and knowing kind of the spaces that I frequented that there were people that were open to my ideas and hearing my opinion. And unfortunately, that doesn't come with like your first trip to AMS. You know, you yeah. might have some people that can can help introduce you and get you talking, but you're still going to feel kind of out of place and not kind of uh, it's not going to feel very natural to you. So I, I think the first thing going in is it's not really a natural thing for anyone. So don't feel like that you're different or like like weird and because you can't walk up to someone and talk to them like it, it's totally fine but if you're like that i want to challenge you to do it and to practice start practicing mm-hmm. at the ams conference and to start bridging the gap and thinking about uh, simple conversation starters that you can do like the easiest one is i loved your talk because of xyz and that immediately yeah. bridges the gap mm-hmm. and gets you going um yeah. the other thing i would say is Think about uh, things that they may do outside of academia, because I think that can trigger a conversation really quickly, too. Um, so all both of those things, I, th- I think, are really important for networking. But I, I would say my number one thing is practice and challenge yourself to practice at this AMS conference, knowing that you're not going to be that great or you're going to improve throughout the conference. But I think that's what's really important is practicing, because it's taken me like six years, six, seven years in order to feel like super comfortable. And I still don't, Mm -hmm. I just am able to hide it a a bit better, I would say. Yeah. I mean, that's such good advice, Castle. And I think something that you hit on is like, it isn't necessarily natural to just like walk up and start a conversation with somebody because you don't do that on the street most of the time, unless they have like a puppy or something. But like, (laughs) (laughs) you just recognize that it's going to be awkward yeah, but it's awkward. Not just it's for everyone. you feeling awkward. Everyone feels awkward, but like it's fine. Everything is fine. It's all fine. And I, <laughs> <is> fine. <laughs> this is my perfect meme. Um, <laughs> you walk up to somebody and just you know say hi, introduce yourself, and again, like what Castle said, pick up on things that you have to talk with them. Like, don't necessarily walk up to them and just say don't have a. You need to have kind of a plan a little bit. Like. Yeah. If you listen to their talk ahead of time or you saw that they presented a poster or you recognize them from, you know, somewhere Twitter else or something. Yeah. Like, hey, I saw you on Twitter or, or we follow each other on Twitter. Like, that's totally cool. Um, but have at least one or two things that you can definitely like hit them up on and talk to them about because you don't want to stand there and be like, hey, so my name's so and so. And then you have nothing to say after that. Like, right. Kind of figure out what you want to say. And then like the um, goal of your interaction. What do you want to yeah, get out exactly. of Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, what do you want to, like, introduce yourself and just say, say hi or, you know, what's going on? Or you just like, oh, you cute. Let me give you my name and just introduce myself oh, to Lord. you. Like, who knows? <laughs> People could do that, too. I mean, it happens, right? <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it's it, it can be kind of funky, but you just kind of have to push through and do it. And, again, nobody's perfect. I am not the best at it right now. Castle's not the best at it. But, nope. like, you just kind of have to do it until you feel pretty comfortable and and that's it's it's hard and if it's your first time going to a big meeting like this it can feel very daunting and very um scary so a lot of times there might be a speaker or just anybody standing and there's a crowd of people like maybe you know four or five or six people circled around them that is a perfect way to kind of interject yourself into that little circle listen to what they're saying and talking about and then if there's an opportunity then maybe you know you can introduce yourself to them in that moment 
versus just a one-on-one. Um, it depends on how you feel about that. You might think it's a little bit more pressuring because there's more people to watch you interact with them, or it might be a little bit less scary because it's not just you and them. It's like other people in that same group doing the same thing that you're doing, probably feeling the same way that you're feeling as well. So um, you're not in it alone, but you just have to be willing to put yourself out there and practice talking to people that you don't know. And if you're going to the student conference, I would say that's like a really good opportunity to practice that because you're exactly. doing it with other people who are also relatively new at introducing themselves and networking. Once you do that for a few days and then you're going on to the main conference uh, starting on Monday, you're going to have a lot more practice and, and experience under your belt so that you can talk to um, you know, other folks that you want to talk to that might be a little bit more established in our field. Kind of like your training re- training wheels, if I can speak plain. <laughs> um, the other thing I will say, kind of leading like the flip side of that is if you are a member of a circle and you see someone trying to step in, like be very open and inviting to those people because again, they're taking a risk trying to get into the circle. So you need to meet them halfway and help them bring help bring them in. Yes, that's so good to know and go- so good to, to tell people because you know, we're all in this together and we should really act like that. And so if you see someone who wants to be a part of a conversation, back up a little bit and let them into the little circle or, you know, give them an opportunity to talk. Because a lot of times, you know, you might be in that setting and somebody is like talking to the person they want to talk to, but everyone's kind of waiting in line. Be cognizant of your of other people around you who also might want to talk to the same person too. Um, because you could probably stand there and sit with them and talk with them for hours and hours on end but at the end of the day there are other people who would like to talk with them too so just be aware of that so that you can follow up with the person you want to later on but in that moment if there are other people waiting let them have an opportunity to talk to that person too so the other thing you have on our handy dandy list is business cards um Mm. and i wanted to ask you how you felt about business cards are they still relevant I think they're really relevant because I think they give an opportunity for you to show who you are on the business card, whether you have like a school business card for your your program or you have like a design on there that you really like. Because at Castle, you and I designed our own business cards and I'm really proud of that because it got to show people who I was and what I was about. And and it left a really good impression for most people that I gave my business card to. I think it's a little bit more natural to do it that way versus like to um, ask someone, hey, like what's your phone number or what's your email? And then have to write it down and like sift through it later, your your like booklet of notes to see who they are and whatnot. I think showing especially a professional that you have a business card tells them that you're genuinely interested in your future and, and networking and what you're doing and that you kind of thought this out a little bit. Um, it shows that you're a little bit more prepared for going to the conference too. Um, so I think it leaves a really good taste in their mouth and a good impression of who you are. That's my opinion. Um, and I find that people who do have business cards uh, tend to be more focused and they know what they're trying to get after. And I think it ends up being more successful. And I know a lot of people who are more established definitely recommend that you give them the business card because they're going to meet a lot of people and they're going to talk to a lot of people. But if you have a business card, you stand out just a little bit more than somebody who doesn't. And then they'll be more likely to remember you. Um, And yeah, so. The only reason why I say that is that like the past two AMSs I've been to, I haven't given out that many business cards. It's been more about like, let me follow you on Twitter or let me do X, Y, Z. Let me friend you on Facebook or, you know, those Mm -hmm. kind of things. Um, So I, but I also, I'm not like a big person that likes, I don't, it just seems awkward to me to be like, here, take my business card. So like, I don't really do it. I only give them to people that like give them, give me one. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess maybe it's more of me being less proactive about it, but it just, I don't know. It doesn't seem to be as fruitful as it has in previous conferences. So I didn't know if maybe it was a practice that was going out of style or not. So I wonder with you, Castle, if your intentions have changed throughout your AMS meetings, like at the beginning, you're trying to network more, trying to figure out like what grad programs to go to or what research things. So because I could tell you that I definitely did that. But the the more I go into it, 
I was just handing them out to people who were like, hey, you seem really cool. Here's my card. Like, follow me on Twitter. Hit me up if you ever have any questions. And then now you're becoming more of a mentor for people. That's so true, giving yeah. them your business card can also be helpful too. Maybe not for you to network, but for them to like develop a relationship with you on an academic and professional standpoint. So I think it depends on what you're doing and what you're trying to do. But if mm-hmm. for people who are haven't really gone to an AMS before, um, I would think that they would probably want to network and probably want to get their name out there. And so yeah. in that way, a business card would be probably better than a, being like, hey, here's my Twitter account or here's my you know social media because um, there's probably stuff you post on there you may not want people to see necessarily unless they're like your peers versus like people that you're trying to impress like an advisor, a potential advisor or something like that. No, that's a very good point. I think you're probably hitting the nail on the head there. It's just my professional goals have shifted because I feel more established and understand my path more now. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas before we were feeling like we were mindlessly wandering through a field <laughs> of corn or something. Um, a field we were... of corn. <laughs> or the corn, the people. Like, <laughs> So we were just trying to find where, should, where, where we should go and where our path should be. So I feel like we were handing our business cards out left and right. But I think yeah. you're right that I kind of know my path now. So it's not kind of a priority anymore or not like a dominant sure. task that I do. Um, so that makes sense, but I think you are right that I need to take them because if people need to know about was his students or weather hype or like any of the other initiatives I do, I need to be able to hand them my business card. So, yeah. And then on top of that too, I would say like kind of what we were talking about too, don't like hand your business card out to every single like living human being that you interact with. Um, because you want to, you don't want to network just to network if that makes any sense this is like one of the most not controversial opinions that i have but i don't like it when people are networking so superficially just because they're like i need something and i want you and you can make it happen for me yeah like i want people to network with the idea of like developing like a relationship or a friendship and then you know if networking comes along the way, then that's fine, at least through peers and, and whatnot. If you're like looking for a graduate program or you're looking for a job, then sure, you're not necessarily trying to be their friend necessarily, and that's different. But if you're networking with like other students and whatnot, like think about just having a little bit more fun. You're, you're there to network, but also just to meet people, find people who have the same interests and passions as you do, learn from other people. And you know, again, I've met so many great friends along the way by going through AMS or going to AMS. And I wasn't like, hmm, let me network with this person and and see what they can get for me or what I can get out of this relationship. It's more of, hey, like you seem like a cool person and and you have similar interests as I do or whatever, both outside and within meteorology. Why don't we become like friends and you never know what could happen? Like you might be working with them one day or, or whatnot. But don't necessarily go into it with the idea of like, hey, like, this is me. This is what I am. This is what I do. Here's a business card. And then move on to the next person. Do the same thing. Like, it's such a huge turnoff for me personally to see that when someone's like very robotic and it's like, hey, I'm this and this is like, I am I write this like thing and this is what I'm doing. And here's my business card. You should hit me up if you want an opportunity or, or if, if I can help you or you can help me. I don't know. It seems kind of not organic if you if you get what I'm saying. Just be, just be like your honest person, be who you are. But like, I don't know. It's so, it's kind of hard to convey, but, um, just go there and meet people, go there and have some fun. Not expecting, I don't, I guess that's just the expectation of you getting some sort of, some sort of personal gain by interacting with this individual, right? Yeah. That's what you want to avoid. You want to, uh, you want to promote kind of relationships and, uh, not even like uh, you have to like work together in the future, but just like being acquaintances and being members of the same community versus yeah, exactly. going into an interaction, expecting a job or expecting yes. money or expecting anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Expect, go in expecting friendship, mentorship, direction, community versus something that is going to benefit you personally. Yeah, exactly. And don't be discouraged either. If somebody you would talk to and you're like, hey, you know, I'd love to learn about your opportunities more and whatnot. Don't be like, I need a job. Can you help me? Like that. 
the worst. is also not great because it, it shows that you just are you just don't even want to develop a relationship or some kind of connection with them that could lead to something more because that happens all the time right like I could talk to somebody and be like, you know, I'm really interested in your organization. And they'll be like, yeah, sure. You know, I can't give you a job, but I can connect you with other people who might be able to, or I can show you what we do. And then that could lead to more opportunities. But I think a lot of times people are so focused on, I need a job, I need a job, or I need like something else. And it's like, that isn't always the end means of networking or talking to people. Like things could end up happening for you way down the way, but they're not necessarily going to happen immediately. Unless they literally someone tells you like, come to me if you want a job like that. <laughs> if that happens, great. Like take advantage of that. But don't necessarily expect that. And just because they can't offer you a job at the moment doesn't mean you shouldn't continue to talk to them and follow up with them in the future because you never know um, what could happen. But don't expect that necessarily, you know. So I'm sure many people are in the same boat as I am, but my presentation is still not done. And that's okay. <laughs> it is. It is very okay. Yes. Some people work on their presentation up to five minutes before it starts so don't even worry about that it's kind of a norm thing the other thing that someone was concerned about the other day I, I talked to someone and they said my project has taken a different route and it's not the same as it was in the abstract anymore I'm so concerned people are gonna like call me out and chew me out and I was like oh do not even worry people are not reading those abstracts I mean sure some <laughs> nope, people some some people might look for keywords and be like oh I should go to this talk but they're not like reading the abstract while you're presenting and being like nope 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 they're not doing this they're not yeah, doing that no not, i'm about to stand no up checklist. and call them out on it no no one's gonna no. do that the same thing with title changes like if your title is shifted a little bit people are not gonna like interrupt you in the middle of your talk and be like excuse, excuse me, me that wasn't in the abstract yeah <laughs> they're not gonna do that don't worry about that the and if they do they just be like um excuse you please sit down <laughs> yeah or just simply say my project Road. has evolved and it's something better now, you know, like yeah. uh, there it's just there are things that people that have never been before just aren't kind of in tune with. And it's that's OK. Sure. Um, yeah. But people aren't going to chastise you for changing things up or having your mm -hmm. research go a different way. Heaven forbid, like we know that's how research works. Yeah, exactly. So I think just keeping those things in mind is it's totally fine if you're not finished at this point. Just keep working, do be diligent, um, and you'll get there. Practice your talks too. Like, don't be afraid. Of, I know if you haven't finished it, that's fine. But try to go through it as much as you can and just, you know, see how long it takes for you to be timed because you have a time allotment for how long you can be presenting for. I believe it's 15 minutes with including questions. So you should really shoot for 11 to 12 minutes for your presentation and have a few minutes for questions, right? Um, yes. I think this year it's 11 minutes presentation to three minutes for questions and one minute to, to change out presenters oh, okay gotcha um, so yeah so shoot for 11 okay so 10 but to 11 minutes it's really hard because it whew. is it is it's very difficult but that the thing is you need to make sure that you can present in that time because that's what you have um and it's very disrespectful to go longer correct and then make other people wait or if, you know, you show up to a talk and you're like, well, why isn't the talk that I'm going or plan to go to started yet? Well, it's because the presenter before them probably took a little longer and that throws off everyone's schedule. So just keep that in mind. It doesn't necessarily only affect you. If you give a longer presentation, it affects everybody um, who's trying to go, come, everything else. So that's really important um, from a visual standpoint. Um, less words are more. It, it's no one wants to read a bunch of text on your PowerPoint. Um, and if they want to, then they can listen to your talk or get more information afterwards or something. But, um, just a lot of words doesn't look great. And plus no one can read all those words. So make sure whatever words you do put on there are big enough. So if you're in a larger room, people can actually see it in the back because that's really important that I don't think people necessarily consider the screens are large, but sometimes they're not the largest. And if you're like in a very vertical room not vertical, but like horizontal room and you're all the way in the back, there's no way you can see what's on the on the yeah. on the projection screen. Um and also make sure that you have enough contrast between your text and your images and your background. Correct. There's nothing more frustrating than having like a super distracting background where you can't even read the text. You don't know what's going on. It just frankly gives you a headache. 
make sure that people can see and understand what you're doing um and stick with simple colors you don't want like bright reds exactly. and bright greens because yeah. like people a are colorblind and may not be able to see what colors you're putting on there but b it, it hurts your eyes and after being you know at a conference for like days and hours in that day you don't want your head to be spinning because you can't like your head hurts from looking at all those weird colors you know yeah and i was gonna say i, I always use like very simple fonts like Arial. Um, those work great. Um, I always tend to do a white background on any kind of text that I'm trying to mm -hmm. encourage anyone to read. Um, but what you can do is like jazz it up with some different colors in like the title box area. And I usually do like a different colored bar at the bottom of this, uh, mm -hmm. PowerPoint. So like trying to find different ways to make it visually stimulating and enjoyable for people, but also maximizing the ways that they, you can promote like reading and legibility too, I think yeah. are important. So yeah, no distracting backgrounds at all. And if you are presenting and you tend to get nervous like I do, I get a lot of anxiety no matter like I've been presenting for a while now and I still get a lot of anxiety before I'm I get up saying. and talk in front of people. So if there are things that you know that work for you, try to do those things. For me, it's to drink something warm like a hot tea or a little bit of a coffee or just like a warm beverage that's like at least room temperature. It helps to like, it sounds weird, but it helps to coat my throat and kind of just settles my nerves a little bit. It makes it a lot easier. So when I'm up there, I can talk um and without like you know losing my voice because a lot of times if you're not at the beginning of the session you have to sit through like three or four or yeah, five or six worst. presenters before you go <laughs> which is the worst because you have to think about your presentation while like pretending like you're listening to your like other co-presenters presenting in your same session yeah and then you're getting nervous and your throat starts to get dry you haven't talked for like an hour and a half so when then when you're expected to go up to the microphone and talk you kind of have like a scratchy voice or like you, your voice cracks a little bit. That happens to me all the time. Mm -hmm. So having something warm to sip on personally for me helped a lot. Um, so that might be something that you consider as well um, before you present just to kind of calm the nerves a little bit, but make sure that you have a voice when you're going up there to talk. The last thing I'll say, and this was someone, a tip someone taught me and it's been really beneficial is often as men mentioned, sometimes the rooms can be very horizontally like, uh, large i don't know that that was the right word but they're very horizontal <laughs> so yeah. it can fit like three sections of people and so what i like to do is i like to pick one person in each of the three like the left the middle and the right and then you can focus on that person each time and it gives the appearance that you're kind of circulating the whole crowd um so it doesn't seem like you're just like focused straight um uh, it kind of gives the an appearance of like better speaking and uh, making eye contact with people is really good too oh yeah that's definitely good good advice yeah what about for people who are doing posters do you have any advice for them um posters let's see i would say be you're gonna have to say the same thing a lot of times so just get ready for it um i think for us we've done a few posters ourselves and mm -hmm. when you first do the spiel you're like okay that was like really long so the next time it just kind of it shortens and i think the best thing to do is to kind of get an elevator pitch for each section that you want to convey um so that you can really communicate that really clearly and rather quick to the audience member so that they can ask questions and follow up um the other thing i would say is don't feel the need to fill the space all the time with talking. So like sometimes people that are walking around just want to sit there and read your poster and that's totally fine. Just ask them, is there, do you have any questions or do you want to hear the spiel? Just let me know, you know? Yep. So yep. Um, not making, not like thrusting your project on people, like having that dialogue, asking them questions, whether they uh, are interested in hearing it. Um, the other thing I will say is that usually the poster judging happens. Uh, so treat every individual the same. Um, and I think that's, yes. that should be like human nature, but like uh, every person should be given the same kind of spiel or uh, whatever you want to do mm -hmm. to ensure that you get that information to the poster judge as well. So some poster presenting um, extras that I think are have been really useful for uh, Castle, you and I, for presenting that have really gone over well with people is, A, if you do have business cards, 
put them up on the bulletin board um, so people can walk by and grab them. Also, if you can print out like multiple copies of your poster on like a normal sheet of paper before you go have like maybe 20 or 25 copies and just like pin them on your board as well. If people don't have time to to listen to you talk, they can at least grab the poster, copy, read it on their own time, and then it has the information for you so they can contact you later if you'd like. Um, and if you really want to be extra in a good way, um, if you want to add an interactive component to your poster, if that's possible. I know Castle and I, we had an iPad that we brought around. Yep, I was going to um, say the same thing. We had like uh, a question to inter- engage with the uh, the people coming by, asking them a question about like where they live and like how does that interact with the research that we were doing on I think wet bulb globe temperature. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really cool and gave them a little bit more of a tangible takeaway from the research that we were showing. Not only were we talking about the poster, but we were telling them how does this impact you and where you live. So there's something like that. I mean, people have done virtual reality or augmented reality goggles before. I think I saw yep. that. It's like really cool. Um, other people will bring a little uh, laptop with them to show like computer modeling or some kind of like, um, you know, radar simulation or something like that. So other aspects that can't be quite captured on a normal poster, things that are moving and dynamic, consider maybe bringing like an iPad to show them. And you just can hold the iPad in your hand while you're presenting and talking. It's a nice added bonus to to seeing a poster. No, that's exactly what I was going to say. And I think the other thing, I, I don't ever think it was that popular, but now that the QR code thing is built into a lot of cameras, um, putting a QR code on your poster could be beneficial too. So people could get a virtual copy of your poster mm-hmm. um, yep. if they're interested. Uh, so yeah, you can do that as well. Nice. Oof, and bring, a lot. bring water with you too. Oh my gosh. You won't be yes. able to move. Bring a big water bottle with you while you're at AMS in general. So, I mean, they provide beverages and cups and stuff that are like compostable, but bring your own water bottle. It's better for the environment. Plus, you'll probably be drinking water a lot throughout the time period um, just to stay hydrated and whatnot. Um, And you brought up a decent point, too, about just food and water consumption in general. Um, There will be plenty of snack breaks for you. So take advantage of those. You know, your conference... Uh, fee and the money you paid to go paid for all that food and those beverages so take advantage of the granola bars that they offer or like the chocolate chip cookie that's like the size of your head like it's okay you can eat those (laughs) it's totally fine um and they're great the snacks are on point they're really good most of the time yeah um usually in the poster sessions too so if you need a snack break go to the poster session Yes, and definitely I would say like take an extra granola bar or two and put them in your bag because there are times where you're sitting in a session and you're tired and you or you're you're hungry and you need something to hold you over. That's an easy thing to do as well. Whip out a granola bar or something that's like not crunchy and just like snack on it while they're presenting because it'll help keep you awake or help satiate your your hunger or whatnot. So um but they have really good food most of the time. Um what else is there? Oh, the exhibit hall. That's super fun. All those interactive exhibits and like the cool um, people setting up their uh, stuff. Um, so the exhibit hall has a bunch of different or- companies, organizations, um, whatnot that are kind of just, you know, giving them, giving you, the conference attendee, a little piece of what they have to offer, whether it's like technology that they developed or uh, like a service that they can provide or, you know, just stuff in general it's really cool and you get to see some really high-tech stuff so definitely stop by the exhibit hall it normally opens like monday evening and it goes through the rest of the whole week so you have time to go there whenever you need a break um but monday evening is when they have the opening of the exhibit hall normally and you'll have a mad rush to get all the freebies and stuff that are really cool (laughs) we all like freebies don't we I, I don't know. I'm. This is probably oh, yeah. where I I will disagree That's with right. a lot of people. You did but say I don't, that. You s- I don't like the exhibit hall. Um, as a person that gets very claustrophobic, and <laughs> uh, there's people everywhere. They're like running around to get the best goodies. Um, but I don't really care for it personally. It's just a lot of stuff that I'm never going to use again. I'm very like minimalist Some of the person. Stuff, okay. So, so here's the, here's the thing. Eh. Some of the things are really cool though. So like, don't get every freaking pen that you need because you don't need to walk away with a hundred pens. Like you don't need that. But 
like the NASA posters and like NASA calendar that they give out at the NASA booth are really cool. And so those are something that people take away a lot. Um, and then the one thing that I always love is the UK Met Office will offer these like double decker bus tins that have like shortbread cookies inside. They're so good. <laughs> They're so good. I live for those every year, even though I can probably just get the same shortbread in like the grocery store. But for some <laughs> reason, being straight from England makes it all the better. I don't know. Um, and obviously the OU ticket that people always want to go to. So if you don't know, yeah. if you've never been before, the University of Oklahoma throws like this big party every year on the Tuesday evening when all the other schools are doing the reception. So OU throws a big shindig um, because they have the monies and it's all gotten a little bit all the monies. They've gotten a little worse over the time because like they used to be completely open bar, get whatever drinks you want. But then now they're like, you have to have like two drink tickets and whatnot. Um, you can always get your friends to give you two drink tickets if they don't want to drink or whatever. But um, it's always a good time. Really good food, really good fun, nice entertainment and whatnot. Um, I don't know what the venue is this year, though, but um, it's been a, a museum one year in Arizona. It was at the Arizona like Science Museum. That was incredible. And then um, they've had it at like um, the House of Blues in New Orleans and a few other places as well. So um, it's really exciting. But um, that's another thing that people get to. But if you don't want to deal with all the people like pushing and lining up and shoving to get stuff, you can always go to the exhibit hall later on down down in the week and just talk to people in a much more tame oh, and like chill yeah. manner. Yeah, where like no one's like yelling and screaming. You're just like talking to them about their technology or whatever they have to offer. Agreed. I again, I'm people are gonna say I'm weird, but I, I the OU parties no. just really aren't my thing either. I um, love. I'm not, I mean, like, I don't know. The OU party is nice because you get, it's like a weird bonding experience where you get to like hang out with people and you've gotten to know them enough by that time because you're like in the middle of the conference at then. So you get to kind of let loose and hang out a little bit and just kind of chill. And then, then I have to go to the conference the next day, extremely tired and maybe hungover. <laughs> yeah. But hopefully not hungover. Not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> well you didn't drink alcohol back then when when the ou parties were happening but now you could i <laughs> uh, still don't think i would it's just not <laughs> not my thing just okay but speaking on that point though please drink in moderation i know you probably want to have a lot of fun not you castle specifically but a lot of other people <laughs> you're like you're having fun you're in a new city that you haven't been to before or maybe you do love boston a lot you want to go out and drink all the time you want to go like had lots of just fun times but at the end of the day like make sure that you are able to go to the conference because that's what you paid money to go into i mean make sure you have good times with people that's definitely important as well but don't overdo it because you don't want to come in with a hangover i've never had that happen before and i'm super proud of that um but you know it's okay to let loose a little bit but just know that you are going to be in a city with a bunch of other professionals and there could be somebody at that same bar at that same restaurant who you know you're trying to impress and they could see you acting a fool and that's not going to make a good impression on them i've heard many many stories of that happening where you know people like got really wasted and started doing a bunch of crazy stuff and i'm like and then their mentors or other people were, were there and saw them and you don't know the amount of damage you can create based on like your poor decision making when you're inebriated so just keep that in mind because People are always watching, even if you're not at the conference and you're socializing, there are always going to be other people watching and it could reflect very poorly on you if you don't conduct yourself in an appropriate way. So do good what you need to do, but like, don't do everything that you, you want to, to do. do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the end. Great. End scene. So um, should yeah. we close it out with like a few of our personal like takeaway tips that if we're like... This is, these are musts that we haven't covered already. Or maybe you want to reemphasize something that you've already talked about. So kind of like the three things we make people say at the end of every podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, walk away um, yeah no, I think. Uh, do you want to start off and I'll, I'll yeah. uh, follow up? Sure. sure. Um, I think for me, the number one thing, and we you kind of mentioned it, but we haven't really specifically said it, is get sleep. Um, we It's so important to get those eight hours or seven hours or whatever you want so that you can be alert and awake and ready to go for the next day. But mm -hmm. also it's important for your physical health because it, in my opinion, AMS conferences are so taxing on my health that 
it is getting sleep is the utmost important. Um, and to tag on to that, I would say bring emergency or oh airborne. Gosh, yes. Um, so that you can take it every day because a, you're traveling B you've been in a plane for X number of hours with people that are coughing and sneezing, but then you're interacting with thousands and thousands of people for shaking the whole week, hugging them, maybe kissing them. Who knows? Um, there's always, it seems like every year there's always the AMS plague. Mm -hmm. So it's important to do those to bring emergency or airborne so that you are getting the vitamins and minerals that you need in order to stay healthy. Because it seems like every year, like clockwork, the week after AMS, I am just like super sick because one, like I haven't been in my regular routine. I'm not sleeping as much. I'm pushing myself more to interact with more people. I'm just physically interacting with more people that have different germs than I do. And so it's (laughs) you're just setting yourself up for failure if you don't kind of think about those things. So I think those those two things. And then the third would be men had it listed, but we didn't really talk about it is bring uh, like ibuprofen, uh, band-aids, other types of medicine, um, because I always almost get a blister on my feet every year um, from walking so much. So make sure that you have extra band-aids that you can use in case you get blisters, but also ibuprofen or Tylenol because I seem to get headaches a lot when I have to interact with people, but also when a suit, <laughs> they give you a headache. <laughs> when a suit jacket is on my shoulders, that pressure gives me a tension Oof. headache as well. Um, yeah. So making sure I have all of that is super important. Yeah. Um, all great tips and uh, things that I think people should definitely consider when they're, they're packing their bags and, and they're getting ready to head uh, over to Boston. Um I can reiterate some of the things, but what you talked about, um, things that you should pack, I'd say bring a portable charger or at least bring your cords Mm, with you because your phone will probably die and you probably need it to either use the app or you need it to um, talk with other people. I'd say bring that um, just so that you can keep your phone charged as as much as you can. Um, What else is there? Um, Just make sure that you're comfortable, you know, dress to impress, but also like if it's not comfortable for you, it's going to suck a lot to be uncomfortable and having to interact with people the whole entire time. Um, and then just listen to people. I think that's like an, a, a big thing that I don't know if we stress enough, but um, mm-hmm. be a good listener. Listen to what other people are talking about, whether that's presenting formally or just having a conversation with them um, and come with just an open mind. I know a lot of times, you know, you might hear a talk and you're like, you know what? that's not, you know, that's not right. Or, you know, I don't agree with that. Come with an open mind. Try not to attack anybody necessarily. Cause I, you know, in this giant world of meteorology, but also not so, so large world, rather a small world. Um, you know, we should be uplifting each other and helping each other out, not bringing each other down. Um, so if there's something you don't agree with or something that you feel like you're very vocal about, do have those conversations in a very respectful manner. Um, I've seen times where people, you know, go up to the microphone after a talk and start like berating the person who is presenting, yelling about them because of some misunderstanding. Like, definitely don't do that. That's not a good look for you or anybody. But also, um, when you're going up to to have conversations with people, just instead of just doing all the talking, listen to them, listen to what they have to say, or ask them if they have any questions or you know whatever. Um, it isn't necessarily just you spitting out as much as you can about yourself or about what you do. It's about taking the time to listen to other people as well and trying to see what they're all about because that's important um, in just overall general communication. So I guess those are my three. Great. Capiche? Capiche. I agree wholeheartedly. (laughs) Cool. Well, we'd love to hear what you think about this episode, but also about your experiences at AMS. Let us know if any of these tips rang true for you and if you have any more tips that you'd like to add. Um, and then also Becky DePodwin, um, our friend, uh, she also released the blog on Medium that has a lot of great tips and advice for what you could do for AMS Boston and how to prepare. So we'll link you to that as well so that you can be um, as ready as you possibly can to crush it and slay it, as the kids say. As the kids say. 
<laughs> I didn't come to play. I came to slay. Um, hey. <laughs> um, you can also, if you want to to hear some other tips, you can go back and listen to episode 22 of Weather Hype called How to Survive AMS 2017. It will have similar, but I'm sure different, as we were three years younger back then, uh, tips about <laughs> AMS. So if you just want more content about what to expect, then you can get some there as well. Get some there as well. Cool. Um, shall we wrap it up then? I think we shall. Cool. So you can find us in a variety of places, including facebook.com slash weatherhype or weatherhypepodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at weatherhype, or you can send us a lovely email at weatherhype at gmail.com. We love to hear what you think about us, so please feel free to leave a review. Um, we can do that, or you can do that, on iTunes, Google Play, or pretty much any big podcast app that you use to listen to Weather Hype. And I will have some Weather Hype stickers with me at AMS, so if anyone would like one, you could track me down. Um, I'm actually going to try and throw one in the time capsule, which we didn't even talk about. Um, so if you want to look that up, you definitely can. Yeah, there's going to be a time capsule where people, students, I think, can put items into a time capsule to commemorate the 100th anniversary of AMS, and then they'll uncover it in the future. So whatever you want to put in there to show who you are or your program or whatever you're proud of in this moment, bring it with you to Boston because uh, you can put it into a lovely time capsule and, and then in 20 years be embarrassed or proud of what you put in there. <laughs> anyway, um, until next time. Until next time. Stay, Stay hyped. hyped. <laughs>